Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over UFC Sacramento, which is headlined by Jermaine Durandamy and Aspen Ladd, a.k.a. Arya Stark. Uh, super excited for this fight, uh, strictly because we know what the fuck is going on with the bantamweight division, and this will probably give us our number one contender, uh, and Jermaine Durandamy, we all know what the fuck is up with her, so it's always good to see her back in there. Uh... Uriah Faber's return, a.k.a. Mr. Butchin, uh, he's back, uh, so it should be interesting to see how he does against a young up-and-comer in Ricky Simone, uh, but before we dive into that, we're going to be going over the casuals with my man, Big Rob, what's good? Hey, what's hey. going on? Uh, so, luckily for us, we had a very, uh, a huge knockout this past weekend, uh, probably one for the record books, well, definitely is for the record books, and uh, might even be knockout of the year. Okay. But we will let a casual perspective give us that uh, answer or not. So, you guys know what I'm talking about. Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren. Uh, and we're starting off right at the beginning of the fight. Let's fucking go. Okay. That's Jorge Masvidal. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't understand what happened there. That is. So, That's so, it. Look at, look at the guy. Did you just start? Yeah. Five seconds. No. All these people. Fast, just... Fastest knockout in UFC history by two seconds. Before that was seven seconds. And this guy just comes in. So the other guy's game plan is always very straightforward. The guy was 19-0. and 0, uh, And he won all of his fights strictly by wrestling. He okay. is one of the best MMA wrestlers to ever grace any form of combat sports. He is amazing. Look, he's just fucking mocking him. He's fucking mocking him. So this guy was a pretty hefty underdog coming into this fight. Uh, And everybody knew the other guy's game plan was just to go and try to wrestle this guy, get him to the ground, just grind him out. So, oh, fuck, I wish I had. Well, let's replay it. Um, So so watch his right knee. It's his right knee that lands on his head. I wish this was better quality, too, but it was a pay-per-view. Ooh. Oh, And immediately the guy was already stiff. The extra two punches were for whatever. He's just... Yeah, he's just talking about shit to him because they had a lot of, like, animosity going into this fight. Uh, but, yeah, he just... There, there's video of him training uh, that exact knee. So, it, he's so planned he, it. He, he planned it, he practiced planned it. it. Let me see if I can pull this up. Oh, my God. But there is video of him fucking doing it. Oh, where is it? Mike Brown. ATT. Nope. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see him uh, pull it off. Uh, especially pretty much to a T. Look at this. This is his coach showing us showing a video of him like practicing it. Okay. Same no fucking way. Knee. same right fucking to the head, knee. Eh? Yeah. And this was days before the fight. Just it's it's amazing seeing these videos afterwards. So his coach dropped this video after. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was trying to do this, uh, he was trying to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, just to get a hang of it. And then when he fucking pulled it off, and if you notice in that video as well, he's very laxed when he starts to fucking here. Let's pull it up again. He's very laxed, like hands behind his back, you know, thinking that he's going to start off relatively slow, and then he comes in and fucking yeah. goes off. Let's, let's see that again. Come on. That was insane. Uh, yeah, fastest knockout. Um, what? And, and just... And he was out. Like, why oh, he, he was out he's already. Just, he's just Look straight up hitting him. Just relax, yeah, yeah. smiling, smiling, think he's going to start off easy, and then just runs at him and we fucking leg, of course. But oh, he lands so God. clean and so powerful, especially if you can hear him hitting the pad when he was doing it in the training. You can tell he was like fucking... Yeah. I'm going to oh. start the thing like this. And this guy was out... The extra two punches, uh, he he had a really good quote about it. He goes, I don't know why people are so mad about it in, in terms of me like mocking him afterwards and stuff because you can talk about uh, wife, children, religion, race, whatever before a fight and it's cool. Yeah. But as soon as the fight's over, we're not allowed to do anything. This is fighting at the end of the day. Yeah. If you're going to talk shit, I'm going to fuck you up yep. and then I'm going to still talk shit because yeah. one of his quotes is like, even if I see him in Whole Foods, I'm still going to slap him up. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Street Jesus. His nickname is Street Jesus because he, he has like these locks. He, uh, you can see the cornrows and stuff where he has like these this long ass hair, the, the beard and everything everybody fucking loves this guy but yeah it was absolutely insane that was so impressive fucking love this guy he's so fucking awesome i've oh. never seen anything that fast but so let me ask you this does that 
make other people angry like it, who are watching the show like would they say where's the show uh, we just uh, we not leave necessarily now. so like a perfect example is uh i flew down to vegas to watch uh, conor mcgregor versus jose aldo okay and obviously there's like 12 other or 11 other fights so okay. it's not like you just showed up for you know fucking five seconds of this Jorge masvidal fight but for the conor mcgregor one like that's the fight that everybody was looking forward to it was the main event okay 13 seconds done okay okay right so like you're there for the the moment of it rather than you know oh, i want to see this goal for 15 minutes or i want to see this goal okay. for 25 minutes you want it to be like i was there for that 13 second knockout, yeah, or yeah, i was yeah. there for this five second knockout you know what i mean like it's okay it's like we can't really play the audio right now but the crowd was going bonkers after this like yeah 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 you know, not it a lot of like people were standing and, yeah and freaking out yeah. it was nuts uh, absolutely nuts and not a lot of people were expecting this guy to win either so for him to win in that fashion fucking yeah. insane right now do you think that's a fluke do you think that if they were to fight again he would just be like oh i, I i'm not falling for that so guess what you you're somebody not asked win. uh ben Askren, the guy who got knocked out the same thing he goes it's not a fluke he goes, that could, you know, if we fought 50 times, that could probably happen 20 times or something like that. Like really? He, he said, he goes, it could, it could just happen. I'm not going to call it a fluke because he trained it. Like he trained that yeah. specific technique and not saying that's the only thing that he trained going into this fight. Okay. It's more so just, he played out certain scenarios and if that didn't work out for him, I'm sure he had other things in his bag okay, that he was okay. going to pull out. Right. So it's the, the guy who got knocked out is really taking it on the chin. He knows that he's kind of warranting the hate that the guy's even spewing afterwards because it Again, like I said, there's a lot of animosity going into it. You know what you signed up for. Yeah. When you talk yeah. all this shit, you know what you signed up for. True, true. So it's it's good on the guy that got knocked out for being so you know understanding and mm. being level-headed about it. Uh, and I think more, more people should be level-headed about it. Like, there's a lot of emotions that goes into it. You know what I mean? And this also means that he gets his full paycheck now rather than just half of it. I'm not 100% true. sure how much he's getting paid, but Jorge Masvidal gets his full paycheck now. Like, it's... At the end of the day, it's about putting food on the plate. Yeah, this guy's yeah, yeah. kids, you know, yeah, shit like that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the, he's he's there to play, man. Another pr- interesting perspective somebody brought up is if they didn't have this war of words or animosity, mm. who knows would Masvidal even have come out like that, or would he have come out like just okay? I'm just gonna be a little bit more lax about this. But this, he was pent up. You know, he like right before I, it doesn't show it in this clip, but you can see the camera padding in on him before the fight starts, and the guy's still talking shit to him across the cage. Like so they there's just a lot of beef before, a lot of beef, a lot of build up before. So that could have been the trigger as to why Masvidal yeah. started the fight the way he did. Mm. Like he just wanted to start hot off the gate. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So. I had I was lucky because this was actually going on when I was in Montreal mm. and I got lucky enough that when I went into the living room the guys were just about to start the fight okay. uh, this was the first fight I got to see of the night because I was wrapped up with family stuff but like I, I see them close the cage door I'm like okay I guess I can watch this fight for a little bit it's probably going to go 15 minutes and then bam done I'm like sick alright <laughs> at least I got a decisive outcome that I can yeah, yeah, alright yeah. I saw the full fight <laughs> But it was good, That's man. It was, it was it was fun. Like it, it's very rare that you see quick knockouts like this. Mm-hmm. And obviously, very. This is the the record in the UFC for sure. Is five seconds, but it probably wow. realistically should have been two seconds. It's more so on the referee for being so far out. Like if you see here, like look how far the referee is compared to where the the knee is happening. Right. That's true. So so it could have even been. Look how far he is. Yeah. He's really far. Yeah, and then he notices the guy drop, and then he comes into yeah. Stop so the even fight. so even then. So let's see. Like he was out at two seconds. Look at that. He was out at yeah. two seconds. Oh yeah, two seconds. It would have been a two second fight. So it all comes down to like well, the ref kind of. Uh, it's hard even to the ref say, wasn't ready for it. Exactly. It's hard to say that he was out of place due to the fact that very rarely do you see a fight start off that like mm-hmm. that quickly, right? So I understand why he gave them the space at first, but. That cost Jorge Masvidal two, a two-second knockout, right? Five seconds, I don't think anybody's ever going to top that. There's no way anybody now, How long does that. it take for this guy to wake up? Just to, just a curious. Like, uh, he, like... like <laughs> I fucking love that. Like, no, he's, he's playing. He's, play, he's yeah, playing he, to it, it. Yeah. Oh, I fucking it, love it. it. Um, I think he was out for a little bit. Like, he was out for a solid maybe two minutes or so. Wow. He got up. Uh, they had to, like, help, not stretch him out, but, like, kind of carry him. Not carry him, but... You know, aid him. Yeah, of out, course. Essentially, so uh, later that night, he tweeted from the hospital. He goes, "Oh, you know, I'm good." You know, uh, he kind of made fun of himself too, right? Like he was poking fun of the fact that he got knocked out in five seconds. But yeah. that was his first ever loss in twenty fights. Yeah, wow, that's in twenty impressive. fights. That was his first ever loss. So 
it's unfortunate for him, but fucking nuts, man. <laughs> it, it was great. I, I I really enjoyed that. I, I've watched that probably hundred times by now. It it's only five cool. seconds, right? So yeah. might as well fucking put that shit on the loop. It was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's that's all I got for the casuals. Um, Rob, thanks as Thank always. You. Take care of Glitch. Glitch looks like she's or yeah. he's a fast asleep in your lap now. Yeah, he's totally oh. totally passed out. <laughs> and now he's up. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, that was the casuals with Big Rob, uh, going over the Masvidal KO, big win for him. Uh, I hope we get a, a title fight for him next, uh, to be honest, you know, big wins over Darren Till and, uh, Ben Askren, you know, the only person that really is in front of him, I would say is Colby Covington, but he has a fight lined up with Robbie Lawler in August. So I'm not sure how that's going to shake out, nor do I know how long Kamaru Usman is going to be out as well. So that's, that's kind of what it really depends on. Uh, but we're here for UFC Sacramento. I'm just going to quickly go over UFC 239 in terms of my betting results. Probably the worst night I've had ever, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, you know, yeah, it was it was very rough to deal with. Um, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really get to watch this event uh, from start to finish uh, due to being in Montreal for a wedding and, you know, just being caught up with uh, with family and stuff. So... It's kind of hard. I got to watch the first two fights, uh, you know, uh, so starting off with the first play, it was the actually the first two fights of the night. Uh, it was a parlay of uh, Julia Avila and Chance Renkout, or sorry, and uh, Ishmael Nordiev. I had 1.5 units at minus 125. Uh, Avila came through, thank God. Uh, but then Nordiev, uh, you know, laid an egg. Chance Renkoundry kind of, you know, Pretty much out grappled him, uh, and then Ishmael uh, gas later in the fight, and then Run Country was able to take advantage of that as well. So uh, it kind of sucks when a minus five eighteen uh, favorite shits the bed like that. You know, I thought if uh, Nordiev was able to deal with the pressure grappling of a guy like Prezeris, uh he wouldn't have as much trouble with a guy like Chance Run Country in a fight that I thought was primarily going to be a stand-up fight. However, Run Country found uh, his way to get the victory here uh, by using his grappling. So, you know, hats off to him. Hats off to anybody that played Run Country as well. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 things like these that really make me question why I should be playing parlays or anything. Like, the last time that really uh, scared me off from playing parlays was when Ioanni and Jacek lost to Rose Namajunas that first time. Uh, so I, it was unfortunate, um, and that scared me off from parlays for several months. Uh, but I eventually got back into it. Uh, you know, it paid off for me on uh, numerous occasions. I really want to see the numbers this year uh, in terms of when I started playing the parlays again and where I'm at in terms of, uh, you know, if it... Uh, if it's been a profitable venture to go back to parlays or not. But unfortunately, at yeah, UFC 239, the parlay was uh, on the shitty end of uh, the, the parlay venture that I've been on since, uh, you know, getting back into playing them. So that was minus 1.5 units there. Next up, we had uh, uh, Claudia Godella versus Ronda Marcos. I had 0.75 units on Godella inside the distance at plus 335. This is a fight that I haven't been able to watch yet. Uh, I will definitely get around to watching as to why Godella wasn't able to get uh, the finish here. It's good that she got the victory. However, I thought that if this fight had uh, gotten into the grappling exchanges uh, and Claudia Godella got Ronda Marcos down, I thought she would easily be able to submit her or even TKO her. Uh, so I'm not even 100% sure if that fight made it to the ground or not. I got it. I want to go back and watch that fight. There's plenty of fights from this card that I need to go back and watch and just for my own sake uh, know, you know, kind of what happened. Um, moving on, I had Alejandro Perez, 1.5 units at plus 206 against Song Yudong. This was a heavily uh, a value play. You know, I, I love Yudong's song. Uh, I think he has a lot of talent. Uh, my main concern with him was the amount of damage this guy's taken at such a young age. Uh, you know, I think he started his... Uh, pro career at 16 years old and he's had several like a handful of fights a lot of fights uh, in that time and he's been in a lot of wars as well if you look back at his fights pre-UFC as well he's he's taken a lot of damage uh, but you know his power stood up here and he was able to put down Perez and get the finish here uh, you know not much I can really say about that uh, moving on to the first lock of the night play Luke Rockhold versus Jan Blachowicz I, I this one stung the most, you know, because I, I truly believe Rockhold has, you know, top five pound for pound potential in terms of his skills. Uh, however, his striking defense is 
continue to be a lingering issue, uh, and it continues to be a lingering issue, uh, you know, since the Bisbing and Rockhold, or sorry, and the Romero fight, uh, and it, you know, rears its ugly head again here with Jan Blahovic, uh, and a guy who I didn't expect to have the power to really hurt or finish Luke Rockhold. Um, you know, it, it it sucked, uh, you know, seeing Rockhold get uh, stunned after, you know, near the end of that uh, first round, and then come back and get finished within the first uh, minute or so of that second round. So it sucked. I thought there was great value at minus 175 on Luke Rockhold, which is why I went balls deep on it. Uh, I, I kind of went against my, you know, one of my guidelines in terms of, you know, staying weary of guys that have chin issues. Uh, I truly thought, you know, him going up in weight would have a uh, positive effect on his chin issues. Uh, but also it just doesn't seem like it did. Um, yeah, so maybe it is just a. Maybe his chin is just completely written off. You know, it's and also you you got to chalk it up to his lack of striking defense. Again, I didn't think it would be uh, an issue in this fight against a guy like Blahovic, uh, and I think that uh, I I haven't seen that first round in in full. I've only seen the finishing sequence where he got hurt, and then I saw the finishing sequence where he got finished. Uh, but I, I want to see if Luke Rockhold actually tried getting this fight to the ground because I thought that this is a place that he would have a a really good chance of you know grinding out Blahovic, landing good shots. Uh, maybe get a submission. And Blahovich has a really good ground game too, don't get me wrong, but I think that Rockhold is just levels above some of these guys. We saw what he did to David Branch, who is in his own right one of the better black belt jiu-jitsu guys out there. So um, very shitty loss for uh, Rockhold. A lot of people calling for his retirement, especially after a broken jaw. The guy has a lot of shit to do outside of the cage, so I, I wouldn't be bad to see him leave. Uh, maybe it's better for his brain. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, minus five units on Luke Rockhold there. That one fucking stung. But the one that has me pounding my head the most is probably the John Jones inside the distance. So I had five units at minus 212. Thought that was insane, you know, value for a guy like John Jones going up against a guy like Tiago Santos. Uh, but there's a couple things I want to touch on about this fight. Uh, one, why the fuck did John Jones not go for any takedowns? I understand that he might have issues uh, or may have been a little bit hesitant due to Tiago Santos's power, but there were plenty of opportunities where he had Tiago Santos, uh, you know, his back up against the cage, and he could have easily shot, clinched against the cage, probably got an inside trip, got Tiago Santos down, and went to work. I thought that he had a massive advantage on the on the ground, uh, but he was just very hesitant and just did not pull the trigger on any takedowns. It was absolutely mystifying i i had no idea why he did not especially with tiago santos's fucked up knee you know torn acl uh mcl pcl whatever the fuck it is he all of his shit was broke it was bad uh yet john Jones, and it was it was evident like i like to give the fighters the benefit of the doubt sometimes that they may not be able to see that some things that we see through the tv screen but it couldn't have been more evident that there was something wrong with Tiago Santos's knee. Uh, and for a guy of John Jones's stature to not go for a, a takedown or even go a little bit harder for a finish is very concerning. Uh, one thing that I think that this could be stemmed off of is the fact that Jones ain't all that good shit anymore. Maybe he is. Maybe he has a picogram here, picogram there. But you know, he is, he's probably not juicing as heavily as he used to before because, let's be honest, I, I don't buy the fucking dick pill shit. I don't buy this pulsing effect shit. I wholeheartedly believe him and Holly Holm, who has been probably tested the most in USADA history, uh, at least in terms of UFC fighters, there's a reason they're being tested that often. They're getting away with it, um, and I think that, uh, you know, John Jones, he's probably being a little bit more... Uh, thorough about it in terms of not doing as much as he used to or not being able to do it as freely as he used to and that might be fucking with him mentally too because you know guys like Vitor Belfort as well they you know once they get off the sauce they they, they lose that that drive that that aggressiveness that hunger and that that will to win because they had that uh mental advantage I, I should say of being on pds and be like you know what i'm on this shit i know i'm at the best i could possibly be right now so i'm just gonna go for broken i think with john jones in these last two fights against anthony smith and tiago santos he's really lost that 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 will to kill if you want to call it that so that's kind of what i what i believe happened here um you know very disheartening uh, that Jones wasn't able to get the finish here, especially a guy who was on one wheel for the majority of that fight. Uh, but it ends with us having an absolutely shit-tastic night. Um, minus 13.75 units. It just... 
I lost a good chunk of money that night, and it really sucked. But you know, with the with the unit system, uh, you know, I I always recommend this with people. Make sure you follow the unit system. It is responsible gambling if you, uh, you know, if you follow it. So especially when nights like this happen, uh, which is something that I kind of want to make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, you know, you're not fucking bankrupt, <laughs> or you're not uh, completely out of your bankroll. So uh, moving forward, I think one thing I really want to adjust is going with the one lock of the night. Like it, it's like the name lock of the night itself you know, pertains to a bet that is the surest bet of the night. That's kind of what I wanted to, like the direction that I wanted to go go with uh, when I initially came up with this this uh, this branding, per se, if you want to call it that. And, uh, you know, playing multiple lock of the nights is probably not the best way to go about it. Even if I am as confident as I was going into these fights, uh, I probably should have gone maybe no more than three units deep on Luke Rockhold, uh, you know, being as confident as I was, but also having that, the, the possible chin issues in mind that probably should have you know knocked it off the the pedestal of a lock of the night type of play uh but the john jones you know inside the distance i would play that again uh you know i i absolutely would have played that again uh uh knowing maybe not knowing what i know but you know I, I, immense value in my opinion for a guy against a guy who doesn't really go to a decision you know his only other decisions i believe were like elias theodoru and uh Kevin Holland, but uh, yeah, man, that that one really fucking stung. Uh, so maybe, not maybe, but for sure, moving forward, more than likely, only ever one lock of the night play. Uh, you know, I might go three or four units deep on another play, but you know, five units should specifically be reserved for my surest bet of the night, whether it's a parlay, whether it's a prop, over, under, straight, whatever the fuck it is. There's only ever going to be one play with a five unit uh, uh, stake on it. And then we'll go as regular with our dog of the night plays and just regular plays as well. So uh, another thing I want to kind of uh, distance myself a little bit from playing value uh, as much. That's kind of what really led me to the Perez play. Uh, I thought there was a lot of value at plus 206, especially with the guy that we've seen, been seeing improvements from. But, uh, you know... I, I still, I, I believe I, I, no, I believe in the podcast I did pick Perez, but I still had a, a really, you know, strong feeling that Song Yudong could pull off the victory as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can continue going on about UFC 239, but it was an absolute shit show. I appreciate anybody that continues to stay on the wagon and, and, and trust your boy. Uh, and I, I just got to continue learning from this and just fucking move forward and, and really start to string this shit together. And, uh, I, I know I have it in me. I know I'll be able to bounce back from this significant uh, loss uh, from UFC 239. But uh, it's it's more about chipping away at it rather than completely trying to bring down the whole tree. It's it's just chip, 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 and we'll fucking get there. So um, I'm not looking to make back the entire bankroll this fucking weekend at UFC Sacramento. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I see some decent spots that I, I believe that I can exploit. Uh, and I'll definitely go over it with you guys. Uh, the one thing that I want to bring to your notice as well is uh, PFL is going down uh, tomorrow, so hopefully you guys have this podcast out in time, uh, as well as Bellator going down on Friday. So there are definitely some spots that I like here on both of these cards. Uh, I believe that um, I'm going to be playing Glyco Franca uh, in a parlay with Ed Ruth. Um like I said, I'm very wary about parlays, but I do like these spots here. Uh, a current parlay between those two would be uh, minus 148. So I don't mind that at all. You know, I, I think that uh, Glycoy Franca is definitely going to have the advantage here against uh, Sabidu or Sadibu Sai. And then Ed Ruth is obviously going to have uh, very easy work with Kichi Kunumoto, in my opinion. You know, just implement that that heavy wrestling game that he has. I just don't think that Kunimoto has the game to to um do you know to fend that off and also i really like Rafael carvalho as well i want to look into that fight a little bit more uh but i tr I, I really do like that uh fight for carvalho i think he's the better striker here against anjaquani and the better mma striker i should say as well uh I, again i gotta look into it um but I think that I might poke a little bit on Rafael Carvalho, who currently sits at roughly minus 121. So 
keep posted on my Twitter account at MMALOTN. I will probably make these plays later today. Uh, hopefully by the time this podcast is out. Uh, but just take a look at my my page and uh, and see if I actually went through with it. I just want to confirm a couple of things with uh, with Glatko Franca. Um, but I think that that's definitely a parlay that I'm going to play, uh, which is Franca and Ed Ruth. Uh, all right. Let's fucking get into this uh, UFC Sacramento card. I, I I like the card overall. You know, it's it's my man Tony on our last Combatter Sewers episode. He called it salty, and I understand it from a. Uh, I I like to call Tony a, a hardcore casual. You know, he knows the Cesar Fajeras of the world. He knows the Juliana Pena's. He knows the Nico Montanos. But I don't know how much he really knows about Shaman Marais or Mike Rodriguez or uh, Livia Hanata Souza. Um, you know. Even a Carl Roberson, I don't know how much he really knows about those guys, but uh, I think that every fight has a little bit of a uh, intriguing aspect of it. They may not be the biggest named guys out there, but there's definitely uh, like the Carl Roberson fight. You know, he's a, he's a great finisher. Uh, I'm interested to see how he does against a UFC newcomer in Wellington Terman, uh, who I'm not too familiar with, but we'll get into that later into the card. But, you know, seeing the return of Mike Rodriguez is great. Uh, Andre Fila against Shaman Marais is a great fight. Should be on the main card. No idea why the fuck it's on the prelims. The return of Juliana Pena after, uh, you know, giving birth. Mama Pena, we'll see how, you know, uh, Parenthood does for her as well. Uh, Ryan Hall coming back all, all, way down on the card against Darren Elkins. Uh, again, Livia Hinata Souza, big, big uh, strawweight prospect. Benito Lopez coming back too. Uh, Return of Uriah Faber. Josh Emmett against Mirsad Bektik is a great fight too. Uh, a lot of great fights. A lot of uh, budding stars on here too. Uh, but uh, overall, from a casualist perspective, it's probably not the greatest card. But from a hardcore MMA nut like myself, I love this card. So let's just fucking get right into it. So, bear with me as always, UFC's website is pretty shitty in terms of updating their, uh, updating, you know, any last minute changes or any changes that have happened in terms of fights. So, even though we see Martin Day up there, we actually have Benito Lopez fighting Vince Morales this weekend. So, um, just note before I get into these, uh, these fights, uh, this Montreal trip this past weekend really fucked up my schedule. Uh, I really got to... Uh, get on to more of this UFC Sacramento tape. I will give you guys full transparency in terms of which fights I'm most uh, confident about and which fights I still require more tape on. Uh, but I feel like I have a good grasp on the majority of these fighters uh, to give you guys a, a decent uh, tell or at least uh, some advice on which way you guys should be going for some of these bets. Uh, so starting off with Benito Lopez, he's a guy that really does uh, really likes the the wacky striking he has an unorthodox uh style um decent ground game uh good or i'd say better striking game uh he showed off uh you know his unfortunate ability to deal with a guy like uh manny bermudez you know getting guillotine chokes three minutes into that first round way back in february uh and now he's coming back to fight a guy like vince morales who I definitely need to dust, dust up on a little bit. You know, Vince Morales is coming off a victory over Eamon Zahabi, which is huge for him. I believe he was a pretty decent underdog going into that fight as well. So, big loss for him. He was plus 150 underdog going into that Zahabi fight. Uh, before that, lost to Yudong Song. Uh, and then before that, uh, he fought in Bellator, where he beat a guy named Justin Hugo, who was only 3-4. and four. So, weird weird fight there uh i think this is a fight for benito lopez to win you know especially with vince morales taking this on short notice uh i've always liked fading benito lopez in the back i i, st- I still don't think he's you know as legitimate as, mo- as most people think he is um but i don't know if this is the spot to actually fade him uh, i'm gonna take benito lopez strictly due to the fact that you know morales is taking this on short notice um would i bet it i don't know uh, you know, Benito Lopez is the underdog. Uh, I, I want to look into this a little bit more. Maybe I see some spots where he would be able to take advantage of a guy like Vince Morales, but the short notice aspect of this fight for Morales really has me hesitant on it. So uh, I don't know if I would play Vince Morales. Uh, the odds are close enough, so I would suggest looking into it a little bit more, but I have yet to do so. So um, we're going to go with Benito Lopez by uh, decision, uh, but uh, something I definitely need to look into a little bit more, so don't take my word for it. Next up, we got Livia Hinato Souza versus Brianna Van Buren. Um, 
good on the UFC for updating Brianna Van Buren, even though she has no picture. Uh, Olivia Hinata Susan, you know, a fighter that's been pretty much good everywhere. She had a little bit of a tough test against Sarah Frota last time around, winning a, a decision victory. Uh, she was scheduled to fight Carla Esparza back in April. Uh, unfortunately, that fight did not come to fruition, as well as uh, fighting Cynthia Calvillo at this UFC Sacramento card. Unfortunately, Calvillo had to pull out and in steps Brianna Van Buren. So, Olivia Souza, you know, she comes into the UFC quick, guillotine choke, 1 minute and 21 seconds of Alex Chambers at her, at her UFC debut, and then comes back and fights Sarah Frota uh, and goes to that uh, split decision. So, I, I think the the allure of Olivia Hinata Souza has kind of worn off a bit after that Sarah Frota fight because a lot of people thought it was going to be a little bit easier for her. You know, she was a minus 235 favorite going into that fight, uh, and now she comes into this fight against v Brianna Van Buren as an underdog. So, uh, this is a fight that I want to look into a little bit more. I'm not too familiar with Brianna Van Buren. I got to look into her a little bit more. Uh, she, I believe, she is the current. She's the current current strawweight champion, and she was in that one night Invicta Phoenix Rising tournament where she beat Manjeet Kolekar, Juliana Lima, and then Kaylin Curlin to you know get that victory and get that title. So good for her to come into the UFC with a with a title. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see why people are so high on her and uh, why she's the, the the slight favorite in this matchup. I love uh, Souza's uh, you know game. She she's a good striker. Uh, she does very well with her jiu-jitsu as well. And I want to see what Brianna really brings into this. Uh, you know she did finish Kaylin Kern with the choke in the second round. Uh, but y'all know what I think about Kaylin Kern. She's not the greatest fighter out there. So uh, right now I'm just going to take Livy Souza by decision. But I do got to look into this fight a little bit more. I apologize. Uh, but but I think that uh, Souza, uh, you know, at plus money, she has great talent for a fighter that's at plus money. But I got to see what Brianna Van Beer really brings to the table here. Next up, we got Liu, or sorry, Ping Yuan Liu. I'll always have issues with that guy's name against Jonathan Martinez. Uh, starting off with Jonathan Martinez, he has a victory over Willie Jibirin last time around. Uh, that was back in February at UFC 234. Won a decision victory there. Before that, lost to Andre Sukumtat. Uh, and that was actually his UFC debut. Um, you know, that Willie G. Buren fight was interesting because I thought that, I believe I bet Buren in that fight too because I thought he, he would be able to implement his heavy, strong grappling game. However, Martino was able to nullify that. Uh, but Ping Yuan, I think he's going to have, I think Martinez is going to have a little bit more trouble with him. Um, the one thing I found most interesting is the betting line for this. You know, Lee Ping Yuan opened as minus 273 on Sportbet, and now he's up to minus 137. So people are seeing things in Martinez. Maybe it's the value. Uh, maybe it's, you know, the fact that Ping Yui, Ping Yui, ugh. I'm just going to call him Liu. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, he did have some issues with Martin Day. You know, he went to a split decision with him there. Uh, Handily beat Damian Stasiak before that. Um, I, I Again, this is another fight that I really got to look into a little bit more. Um, I like Ping Yuan here. I, I like the guy's style. I think he's a great uh, prospect, you know, especially stringing together close to, where's that? Uh, three, six, nine, ten straight victories. Good for him. Uh, but again, level of competition is very much lacking there. Two and three, zero and zero, one and zero, zero and one, two and zero, three and one, thirteen and six, two and four, ten and five is Damian Stasiak, and then nine and two was Martin Day. So. He's coming in against a guy that has a lot more experience, uh, probably more battle-tested than most of his last opponents. Uh, but I think that uh, Ping, Yui, Ping Yu, Liu will still be able to get uh, the victory here. So I'm going to take Liu by decision. Next up, a fight that I know that I can get into a little bit more uh, that I've already looked into as well is Darren Elkins versus Ryan Hall. So Darren Elkins is coming off of two consecutive losses uh one i had as uh, or sorry his last two fights I actually had as lock of the night plays uh alexander volkanovsky beat him and then ricardo lamas beat him i think he has a little bit easier of a fight here against ryan hall who's only really like a jiu-jitsu threat and i'm i don't want to say only with by trying to like understate it uh because he is probably the best jiu-jitsu best jiu-jitsu practitioner in uh, the UFC, maybe with the exception of a guy like Crone Gracie or Brian Ortega, but straight jiu-jitsu, Ryan Hall is the fucking shit. Um, I think that uh, Darren Elkins uh, is going to make this a grinding, gritty fright, but uh, if he's not able to keep this fight off the ground, I think he's going to have issues. Uh, you know, he might be able to outstrike Ryan Hall here. Uh, Ryan Hall has a weird 
you know, striking style, but he he makes it pretty clear. He wants to get this fight to the ground ASAP, uh, and I think he might be able to get a guy like Jared Elkins down. You know, Elkins isn't the fastest guy. You know, he has a lot of heart. Uh, he has a lot of grit. Um, you know, he does have a grinding style, but to implement that grinding style, he needs to get a hold of you. He needs to push against the cage. He needs to get you to the ground and just make it ugly. Uh, but that's not what you want to do against a guy like Ryan Hall. You want to keep this fight on the feet. You know, maybe uh, clinch against the cage and, and do some damage there. But I think even with that, Ryan Hall will have absolutely no issues trying to pull guard or go for a leg, you know, die for a leg, whatever he wants to do. So for Darren Elkins to win this fight, I think he needs to keep it on the feet. But I don't trust his striking enough to be able to manage the distance properly or, you know, his speed to be able to, uh, you know, land shots uh, without uh, Ryan Hall grabbing a hold of him. So I, I, I think... I think, uh, rightfully so, this fight is a closer closer line than it should be. Uh, not not that it should be, but you know, Ryan Hall is clearly uh, so it's roughly at even right now. Uh, at five times we have minus one fifteen on Ryan Hall, minus one hundred five on Darren Elkins. I might look at a play at Ryan Hall here. You know, I'm, I want to. I want to just shore up a little bit on the tape here, but uh, I feel really strongly about Ryan Hall here because I'm not I, I'm not that confident in. Uh, and, and Darren Elkins will be able to keep this fight off the ground. I, I truly believe that Ryan Hall will get a hold of him, get this fight to the ground, maybe jump for the back. And I just don't, I, I just don't trust Darren Elkins. Uh, you know, he's just, he's, he's, he, he is a slow-ish fighter. Uh, but again, like his, the reason he's gotten victories over Mirsad Bektik, Dennis Bermudez, and Michael Johnson is strictly through through his grit and ability to take damage. But Ryan Hall is not a striker. You know, Ryan Hall is not a guy that's gonna go out there and try to wrestle you to 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 hammer on you and and beat you up that way he's trying to get a hold of a limb he's trying to get a hold of your neck your arm your leg whatever the fuck it is he's trying to choke you out or submit you and i think he's going to be able to do that against a guy like uh darren elkins here who again he's on a tough stretch right now and i think that ryan hall has the tools to get this fight to the ground and make it a very uh unfortunate uh night for darren elkins so i'm going to go with uh ryan hall here what the possible uh possibility of playing him as well great value as well at the pick'em uh, price he's currently at in my opinion too next up we got the return of the venezuelan vixen juliana pena against nico montagna who in herself is also returning as well she hasn't fought since uh she actually won the uh the flyweight title back in december of 2017 she's had a lot of fucking time off she was actually scheduled to fight valentina shevchenko uh, back in September of last year, pulled out of that fight, you know, and that's roughly when she was actually stripped of the title. Shevchenko came back and fought, I believe, Ioana Jacek later that year uh, to claim the flyweight belt. Uh, so Shevchenko is technically the second women's flyweight champion of all time, uh, or sorry, in the UFC. And then Nico Montagna was actually scheduled to fight Sarah McMahon here. Um, and uh, Nico Montagna was actually somebody I was looking at as a possible underdog against Sarah McMahon. You know, I, I think that was a fight that uh, had Nico as a slight uh, underdog there. So it would have been nice to, to, to make that bet because I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest Sarah McMahon uh, fan anymore. And I think that uh, Nico Montagna definitely had the better jiu-jitsu and anybody with better jiu-jitsu than Sarah McMahon has a chance of winning this fight. You know, case in point, Marion Renault. So, uh, in this fight against Juliana Pena, I think she has a tougher test, and I think that, rightfully so, uh, Juliana Pena is the favorite. Yeah, she is the favorite at minus 165 right now, uh, but, you know, uh, Nico Montagna is going up to, to 135 here, and she might actually have, uh, you know, a slight disadvantage in terms of size. So, let's see here. We got 5'5", five, 65-inch five, reach for Nico Montagna, whereas we have... 5769 inch reach for Juliana Pena. So Juliana may have a little bit more uh size on her here. Um I really want to see the face offs to see kind of how it actually visually looks. Um but the the only thing that's keeping me away from this fight uh it's it's going to be a pass for me. Jeez, that that last throw sound I made sounded really fucking funny on my headphones. Anyway, get back to the fight. Uh the only thing that's uh kind of keeping me away from this fight is both of their layoffs. You know, I, it's hard to tell um how they're both going to come back looking. You know, Juliana Pena coming back from having a baby like 
we don't have much of a sample size in terms of women that have come back from having a baby. Uh, so it's tough to see how that's going to happen. You know, uh, the last time she fought was actually against Valentina Shevchenko in January of 2017. So it's roughly going to be two and a half years since Juliana Pena has fought. And then Nico Mantani, you know, uh, I don't even want to know what the fuck's been going on with her. She's had a lot of uh, issues, whether it was her weight or uh, injuries or whatever the fuck was going on with her. But she hasn't fought since uh, December of 2017. So uh, it's a bit of a stay away fight. I, w- I wouldn't be mad at anybody trying to take an uh, underdog shot at Nico Mantani. But I truly think that Juliana Pena is going to be the stronger and better grappler here, uh, as uh, as well as better MMA grappling too. So uh, tough to bet against Juliana Pena here, other than the fact that she's been away and she's just a, she's a new mom. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with Juliana Pena here by decision, uh, but it's something that I'm going to definitely pass on as well. I might look into it, you know, look into it a little bit harder, I should say, but uh, it's it's hard for me to confidently pick one side in that fight. Next up, uh, we got Andre Philly against Shaman Marais. Uh, I love Shaman Marais. You know, the guy's a great striker, uh, had a great war against Sadiq Yusuf, who just ended up being the, the better striker that night, or the better fighter that night, I should say. Um, and then he gets another uh, kind of a a decent matchup here with Andre Feely. You know, Andre Feely likes to strike, uh, but he does, he's not uh, afraid of getting this fight to the ground and trying to make it more of a grinding fight. Um, you know, it's currently roughly around a, a pick uh, I like Shaman Rice in terms of striking. I think he is the better striker, but I want to see a little bit more in terms of uh, how he's able to deal with a guy that mixes it up like Andre Feely has in his, in his last couple fights. Um, I... I... Um, uh, I lean Shaman Marais here. Um, his gas tank used to be a bit of an issue, but I think he's shored that up a little bit. You know, going the full decision uh, with uh, Matt Sales, Julio Arce, um, and then with Sadiq Yusuf as well. So he's able to get to the decision and, and get the victories here. Uh, but I think he's really going to need the gas tank against Andre Feely because uh, Feely himself, I believe he has a good gas tank and his ability to mix up the fight throughout, you know, for the full 15 minutes is going to keep Shaman Marais working and working and working. So uh, I want to look into it a little bit more. I got to take a look at that Sadiq Yusuf fight one more time as well as uh, Feely's fight with Miles Jury. I believe I had money on Miles Jury in that fight too. Uh, but I, I just want to shore that up. But uh, initially I'm leaning Shaman Marais, but it could absolutely change to Andre Feely uh, with a little a bit more work done on that fight so keep your eyes on my twitter like i said again at mmaotn and uh you will find out whether i end up going with andre feely or shaman marais uh as of today which is wednesday of fight week i'm going with shaman marais by decision i think he's going to be able to piece up andre feely uh you know shuck off takedowns defend it uh and then win at least two rounds to get a, uh, a decision victory here against feely but i really like shaman marais man i i think he has a ton of talent and he's one of the more uh vicious and brutal strikers that that the division has to offer. So, uh, you know, he found it, he he kind of met his match against Sadiq Yusuf, but I don't know if Andre Feely throws with just as much heat as Yusuf and uh, would, you know, cause as much trouble uh, as Yusuf did to Marais. So I'll go with Marais by decision here, uh, but uh, I am definitely going to be looking into it a little bit harder in the next couple of days uh, and might make a play on that. Uh, just due to the fact that the, the odds are really close to it, I think if you can find value on a certain guy, um, not, not just value, but you know, truly believe that one guy will win, uh, I believe it's worth a shot, you know, whether it's one unit or 1.5 units. But um, again, I'm going with Shaman Marais right now, uh, but that might change a little bit later this week. All right, let's move along. We got Mike Rodriguez against John Allen. Mike Rodriguez is coming off a victory over Adam Milstead. Uh, he was actually supposed to fight John Volante on this card, and I was really close to actually uh, betting Mike Rodriguez until the uh, the fight fell apart. Uh, it was unfortunate. You know, you guys know that I love to fade Gian Volante, so this was definitely a prime spot for me to do that. Uh, but in steps John Allen, who actually lost to... Um, to, to Vinicius Mojea on the Dana White Brazil uh, Contender Series. Uh, he came back and beat Alexandre Silva, who was a 6-0 prospect back in June. Oh, wow. He's taking this fight on very short notice. 
Um, so that's what, roughly a two-week turnaround for John Allen here to get his UFC debut against Mike Rodriguez, and that might not be the way to go. You know, it was uh, roughly a, uh, kind of a sloppy fight against Vinicius Mojea. He wasn't able to land the, the knockout blow against a guy like Mojea who, you know, he needs that needs to get the fight to the ground, probably not the best stand-up, uh, and uh, I think that uh, Allen's going to have some issues here against Mike Rodriguez, who hits really fucking hard. Um, I like Madri- Mike Rodriguez here. Uh, what I play him at the mi- crazy minus money that he's at right now, I believe he, yeah, he's minus, close to minus 400 or so. I- I'm not interested in it. You know, maybe the, the fight doesn't go to decision, but even that, that's fucking crazy right now too. Let's see what that's at. Uh, minus 315. So that's a little bit out of my zone in terms of wanting to bet that. Uh, but I definitely like Mike Rodriguez here. I'm going to say by second round, TKO. Next up, we got Cesar Ferreira, Cesar Ferreira versus Marvin Vittori. Starting off with Marvin Vittori, he's coming off a loss to Israel Adesanya back in April of last year. So he has had an extended layoff uh, coming into this fight against Cesar Ferreira. So don't know how he's going to look, uh, but I think he has the cardio advantage here, and I think that uh, he could definitely be a problem in the latter half of this fight. Uh, but I think up until that point, I think Caesar is going to have the strength advantage, the grappling advantage, and just, I guess, the grinding advantage here too. My only concern with Caesar Ferreira is his possible chin issues. You know, he has been put out uh, by... Uh, fucking Jorge Masvidal and Sam Alvey earlier in his career as well as C.B. Dalloway. Uh, but, you know, he strung together wins over Oluwale Bomboshe, Anthony Smith, Jack Hermanson, Nate Marquardt, and Carl Roberson, uh, as well as losing to Elias Theodoro and Ian Heinish in that stretch as well. He was actually supposed to fight uh, Tom Breeze earlier this year, but that fight fell apart with Cesar Ferreira getting injured, I believe. But now he's back against Marvin Vittori. Um, I think this is a matchup that he should be favored in. I was kind of surprised to see him as the underdog here. Um, you know, we have him currently at uh, plus 130-ish. This is definitely an underdog that I'm looking at. I think he has some value here. Uh, I think, I, I don't know why people are really, you know, uh, favoring Marvin Vittori here. It's it's something that I should look into a little bit harder too. Um, maybe there is something that I'm missing. But I think that Cesar Fajera, you know, if his chin can, ha- if his can, yeah. If his chin can hang and he's able to actually, uh, you know, get this fight into the later, uh, you know, I, I think even if he gets this fight to the ground, he has a good chance of submitting Marvin Vittori too. You know, uh, uh, you know, Vittori was able to go to the distance with Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, without getting submitted in that fight. But I think he has uh, a good shot of submitting Vittori. Um, again, I love the plus money value on Cesar Fajeda here. Um, I think, you know, him being the bigger, stronger guy is going to make it a little bit hard for Marvin Vittori. Uh, and it's interesting, actually, that... Um, yeah, I have no idea how the fuck Cesar Fajera used to make welterweight, so I'm kind of glad that he went up to middleweight uh, since that Oluwala Bamboshe fight. But... Uh, yeah, I, I like Caesar here. I think he's going to get the fight to the ground. I think he could get a submission as well. But I think he, at worst, pulls out two rounds uh, and then hangs on to win at least the third against Vittori here. But uh, yeah, I, I, I got to go with Caesar Fajera. You know, a tough last fight against Ian Heinrich, who, who was able to grind him out a little bit better, but had the way better gas tank as well. But, uh, you know, kudos to Caesar for being able to, uh, you know, Keep it together for those 15 minutes against a hurricane like Ian Heiner's. But I think he gets to the victory here and gets back on the winning track and cashes as a plus uh, money underdog. So don't be surprised if you guys see me actually play Cesar Fajera. But I need to do uh, a little bit more work to make sure that, you know, I still feel that way after seeing the tape that I need to see. Next, another fight that I'm going to kind of gloss over a little bit. Oh, I completely forgot to change the slides. But, hey, look, we got Marvin Vittori, Cesar Fajera, yay. All right, let's move the fuck along. Uh, Carl Roberson against Wellington Terman. Uh, I need to look into Terman a little bit more, but we know what Carl Roberson brings. You know, he's he's a bit of a whirlwind. He likes going for the finishes. He only has ever been to uh, a decision twice, his first ever fight. And then he fought uh, Jack Marshman in a fight that he actually got injured, I believe it was. So he kind of resorted to more of a grinding style where he was able to just grind out rounds and, and, and get the fight away from Jack Marshman. But, you know, he lost to Glover to share in a fight that he almost finished Glover in as well. So I think it's either, you know, a finish or get finished. Cesar Ferreira is another guy that submitted him as well. Um, 
So I, I think in this fight against Wellington Terman, uh, again, I can't say too much about Terman as well. Uh, I know he's fought Marcio Alexandre Jr., who I believe used to be in the UFC uh, himself. Um, but uh, I, I got to look into it. Um, I like Carl Robeson. I think the play here could actually be the fight doesn't go to decision uh, just due to, you know, uh, Carl Robeson's style. Uh, I think the last time I checked, yeah, minus 195. I think that for a guy, for a fight with a guy like Carl Robeson, minus 195 is a great line uh, for a fight doesn't go to decision. But I need to confirm what we see with Wellington Turman. Uh, is he as willing to engage in these uh you know, the, these firefights that Carl Robertson likes to be in um, and, uh, you know, what he has to offer really uh, in terms of a, a return against a guy like Carl Robertson. So I'll take Carl Robertson by, like, second-round finish. Um, you know, UFC Jurders might get to a guy like Wellington Terman, and I've never really been high on guys um, that have, uh, you know, a, U- a UFC debut upcoming so Carl Robertson was actually supposed to fight John Phillips on this card. Phillips pulls out, and in comes Wellington Terman. So short notice, UFC debut, probably not the best ingredients for a guy making his UFC debut. So Robertson minus 225 right now, but I think that there's a little bit better value on the fight doesn't go to decision at minus 195. So Carl Robertson, uh, first-round KO, uh, but a very good possibility that I play the fight doesn't go to decision at minus 195. Next up. Uh, probably the fight that I'm most excited about for this week, and I believe on the last Combat Stories episode as well, I had voiced this, that this is probably one of my favorite fights that are upcoming in the next two weeks, uh, due to the fact of how these guys match up, you know, they're kind of a a carbon-ish copy of each other, but I believe that Mursad Bektik is more of a pressure fighter, but they both have really good uh, grappling, they both have uh, good stand-up, but I think that Josh Emmett just cracks a little bit harder, Um, but I, I, I believe Mursad's overall MMA game is going to cause Josh Emmett issues here. So Emmett's coming off a kind of a Hail Mary finish over Michael Johnson in a fight that I believe he was losing. Uh, he had roughly 60, 46 seconds left uh, in that fight before he threw that winging overhand right, landed clean and crisp on Michael Johnson and put his lights out. Um, whereas Mursad Bektik, I believe, is coming off a victory over Ricardo Lamas. It was a split decision. I thought he definitely won that fight. Uh, and then the God of Friday Pepe fight, uh, he won as well. So he was supposed to fight Hanato Moikano back in December, uh, had to pull out of that fight. Uh, and now here he is back against Josh Emmett. You know, Mirsad Bektik's a tri-star um, uh, product. You know, you know, he definitely has good uh, coaching there, good game planning. And I think he can implement... Ooh, excuse me. I think he can implement his, uh, uh, you know, grinding pressure style against a guy like Josh Emmett while, um, you know, avoiding any type of significant strikes uh, for 15 minutes. I think he's going to be able to grind out Josh Emmett here. I think that, uh, you know, he just mixes it up very well. I want to be able to look into this fight a little bit more because I kind of, you know, on, on first glance at minus 160, I kind of like that price tag on Marcel Bektik. I, I think he holds some value here, maybe at two units or maybe even as a three-unit stab. Uh, but I think that... Uh, you know, he's a, compl- a better complete overall MMA fighter than Josh Emmett, uh, and he doesn't have to just rely on one strict thing. Uh, I think his loss to um, his loss to Darren Elkins was very eye-opening for him and was able to help him grow as a fighter. That was his first ever loss, and he pretty much threw everything in the kitchen sink at Darren Elkins, but Elkins just stuck around, eventually, you know, got the finish in that uh, near the end of the third round. Uh, but since then, Bektik has come back and looked very well, or looked very good, I should say. So I think he gets the victory here over Josh Emmett by decision, uh, you know, staying away from the big shots, but still pressuring and, and you know, keeping Josh Emmett uh, uncomfortable. Uh, how successful will he be in getting Josh Emmett down? I don't know how successful he'll be, uh, but I think that, you know, just mixing it up, uh, clinch control, um, cage control, uh, and then just mixing it up with the striking while staying away from the power hand of Josh Emmett is going to be what gives Mursad Bektik the victory here. But I really like Bektik here, and I think he continues his ascent uh, up that division and, uh, you know, kind of uh, finally achieving his potential that a lot of people believe that he had uh, rolling into this, uh, rolling into the UFC, UFC, I should say, especially from Faraz Zahabi, who's been pumping him up since, you know, way back. Um all right. Oh, no, wait. We missed one fight. We got two more fights left, I should say. All right. Uh, return of the California kid. We got Uriah Faber against Ricky Simone. Um, Uriah Faber, 
no idea why this why this guy's coming back. You know, he apparently he has a lot of business ventures outside of the octagon, so I'm sure that he has money rolling in from other places. Uh, another significant change since he has retired, which was the end of 2016, uh, was that he has a kid now. Uh, we saw what a kid does for a guy like Donald Cerrone. You know, it kind of lights a fire under his ass, uh, really gets him back into the game. Uh, so let's see if it's able to have a similar impact on a guy like Uriah Faber, who, you know, this fight's happening in his uh, home state or home city of Sacramento. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But this guy's 40 years old, man. He's going up against a young, hun- hungry guy in Ricky Simone, uh, a 26-year-old who is uh, pretty much undefeated, had a, a loss to Anderson Dos Santos way back in 2016. But since then, he's rolled off two, four, six, seven, eight straight victories, uh, big victories, especially over a guy like Mirab Uh You know, that was a weird ending to that fight. Uh, big win over a huge prospect in Montel Jackson. And then, uh, you know, not playing Hani Yaya's game and then eventually winning a decision victory there. I, I, I like Simone here, man. I, I just don't know why there is... Um, uh, like like what there is to gain for Uriah Faber here for Ricky Simone obviously there's the, you know the name to add to his record which is great uh, but how much does a 40 year old Uriah Faber really matter on your record uh, but luckily for most people when they look at it, like a topology or they look at a, a sure dog it doesn't say how old the guy was beside uh, their name when they fought them at that time so just seeing Uriah Faber on his record I think might you know raise some eyebrows for some people and say okay this might this guy might be some legit shit but you know the true hardcore fans and the, the, the cappers out there kind of know that Ricky Simone is already the shit and that Uriah Faber has kind of already fallen off a cliff, uh, has been away from the game for, you know, over two and a half years. Uh, you know, he has been training. Like, there there has been videos out there of him still going to Alpha Male and, you know, training with some of the guys there and keeping in shape. So it's not like he's, you know, you know a fat ass coming off the fucking couch uh, trying to get back into the game. He's, he's kept in shape, but I just don't know how much that's going to... Uh, you know, how beneficial that is for him against a guy like Ricky Simone that, you know, uh, the way for Faber to win this fight is to to implement a grappling-heavy game because that's always been the best part of his game, you know, being able to mix it up. But I think Ricky Simone mixes up better, if not, uh, you know, more more athletically now and more, uh, you know, he has the... Uh, the, the the youth here, he has a strength advantage as well. I think he's going to have the speed advantage here too. So I think it makes it very difficult for Uriah Faber uh, to win this fight. I don't know why I believe that minus 350 is a little wide for Ricky Simone because I truly believe that Simone wins this fight regardless. I think he wins a decision here. Uh, but I, I don't feel comfortable parlaying him here. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I feel comfortable parlaying Ed Ruth at like minus 400 against Keiichi Kurimoto. But Ricky Simone, I, I've always had... Uh, an issue betting against guys with big names like Uriah Faber or older guys uh, like a Uriah Faber because there's sometimes that they might just show like you know glimpses of their old selves and they actually pull off a victory. But um, I, I truly believe that Ricky Simone is 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 a really good bet or is a really good uh, pick here to win. Uh, but I just can't. I don't know what it is. I just can't uh, muster up the energy to to put him into a parlay uh, uh, or even bet him straight. Obviously. That would be outrageous for me to do on minus 350. Uh, but I, I definitely like Ricky Simone here. I think he's just going to be better, than Faber, better, faster, quicker than Faber uh, in all of the spots that Faber thinks that he's going to win this fight. And it's going to be a harsh reality for Faber to come back. Uh, you know, he probably should have just sat on the couch uh, and, you know, just been happy with that Brad Pickett victory to end off his uh, MMA pro career but i doubt we see faber again after this fight uh i think it was more of a one and done in sacramento type of fight uh and unfortunately for he for him he's going to be coming out on the losing end here so uh yeah like i said ricky simone by decision all right let's roll into this last fight main event time we got aspen lad against jermaine Duranemi. uh a couple last few episodes ago of the combatasaurs me and uh, tony went over uh the worst headlining fights uh, for a UFC fight night, pay-per-view, whatever the fuck it was. Uh, I believe Tony went with um, Artem Lobov against Cub Swanson. Uh, and then 
I can't remember what I went with. I think it was Yair Rodriguez against Alex Caceres, but this could definitely take the cake. You know, in terms of name value, there isn't much here, but in terms of significance in the division, there's definitely a lot of significance here. I truly believe that the woman that wins this fight probably has the best stake uh, at uh, fighting or the best claim at fighting Amanda Nunes next, uh, but I think both of these girls are going to get smoked by her, so it doesn't really matter. Starting off with Aspen Ladd, <coughs> apologies, uh, she's coming off a victory over Sajara Eubanks in a fight that probably could have been a little bit easier or what people expected to be a little bit easier for her. Uh, I got to go watch it over again just to make sure I got my I's dotted and my T's crossed for it. But in the Tanya Avenger fight, you know, she came out there like a fucking mad woman, got Tanya Avenger down and then eventually grounded upon her and finished her. Uh, even in the Lena Landsberg fight, she looked really good. Um, but I, I got to dust up my memory on the Sajara Eubanks fight because I believe that fight was a little bit closer than it should be, even though that Aspen Ladd won by decision. In this fight against Jermaine Duranemi, she's probably fighting the best striker that she's ever faced before. So if she's not able to get this fight to the ground in that first round, I think she's going to have a lot of issues. And Jermaine Duranemi is a big fucking chick. You know, she fought comfortably at 145. Let's see in terms of actual statistics for 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 the size or the metrics for their size. Uh, Aspen Ladd at 5'6 with a 66-inch reach, and then Jermaine Duranemi at 5'10 with a 72.5-inch reach. So she's going to have a little bit of distance to make up to to close the distance. I might, she, she might have to eat some shots to close the distance as well. Um, uh, fuck. Like, you, everybody knows who, who's been following me for a while that I always prefer grapplers over strikers, especially with somebody who has been showing really good grappling like Aspen Ladd too. I kind of want to see where it was a little bit harder for her in this Sajar Eubanks fight to get the fight to the ground, which is kind of what I've heard. I need to, again, I need to dust up on it to be sure. But with Jermaine Durandamy, you know, crazy striker, um, I think she's going to make it very hard for Aspen Ladd to close the distance and get this fight to the ground because she's going to make her pay with a lot of shots. And I don't believe that Ladd's uh, striking is up there. You know, it's decent, but I think she still has a lot of work to do, and it's evident that her strength is obviously the ground game. Um, and if she's not able to get this fight to the ground, even in the first two minutes or so, I think it's going to be a tough fight for her. Um, so... Current odds, plus 150 for Jermaine Duranemi. I kind of are, am leaning towards Jermaine Duranemi here, uh, but I love the style of Aspen Ladd to, to get the fights to the ground. Uh, but minus 170, I don't know if I would bet that for Aspen Ladd. So for me here, it's on uh, dog or passes like my guys, Cody Saftik and Paul Shagnessy or whatever the fuck, however the hell you, you say his name. But I, I, I like uh, Jermaine Duranemi here as an underdog. Um I might change my mind into after I, I look into Ladd a little bit more. Uh, but as of right now, I, I like Jermaine Duranemi. I think she's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. Um, you know, if it hits the ground, it's going to be really tough for her to get back up because Aspen Ladd does have a really good top game. Uh, I think she has good submissions as well, so she might be able to catch Jermaine Duranemi in something. But uh, the size alone is going to be a, quite a bit of a discrepancy for Aspen Ladd, and it's going to be interesting to see if she's going to be able to get this fight to the ground. Uh, I think if this fight hits the second round and Jermaine Duranemi hasn't done too much damage on the feet, uh, it might be a little bit easier to get, for Aspen Ladd to close the distance and get this fight down. Uh, but I think that if... Ladd is not able to get Jermaine Durandamy down in that first f five minutes. Durandamy is going to, you know, really make Aspen Ladd pay. She's really going to make her work, uh, and it's going to be tough and tough, or uh, tougher and tougher for Aspen Ladd to get this fight to the ground. So, um, so again, sitting here at, you know, 5.45 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, I'm leaning Jermaine Durandamy by a decision, probably picking Aspen Ladd apart, maybe even getting a later finish, maybe fourth or fifth round. Uh, but I, I love I love Aspen Ladd style. I just don't know if I trust her, um, you know, without, uh, again, checking that Sajara Eubanks fight one more time uh, to see how comfortable she is in getting these fights to the ground. Um, you know, Duranami showed good takedown defense against uh, Raquel Pennington, but I believe that Aspen Ladd is a lot better of a takedown artist than Jermaine, Jermaine Duranami. So we'll see... Uh, where my studying takes me, but as of right now, I'm going to lean with Jermaine Durandamy. Uh, might play her as an underdog. Not 100% sure about that yet. Uh, I don't want to force it either. Again, I don't want to value Hunt as much as I used to before because I think that really is taking a toll on me. Uh, however, um, if it's too hard to pass up, I will definitely play the underdog here in Jermaine Durandamy. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take Durandamy by decision. Maybe fourth round TKO. Um, but I like Durandamy here, uh, especially with the striking acumen. Uh, I believe she will have a lot of success. Um, 
and especially with the reach and the distance that Aspen Ladd's going to have to cover here, it might be a little bit tough for her to get in on uh, Jermaine Duranamy's knees and hips without eating a lot of big shots. So uh, let's go with Jermaine Duranamy by officially, let's say, fourth-round TKO. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I love grapplers, uh, but I don't know how Ladd's going to be able to deal with the striking of a Jermaine Duranamy and close that distance. So official pick, uh, Duranamy, fourth-round TKO, but I, with a possible bet on her as an underdog. But, again, keep tuned in to my MMA, uh, my Twitter uh, timeline, at MMALOTN, uh, and you guys can know if my mind has changed or not as the fight week progresses, because that definitely happens, especially when we record the podcast, like the Monday of fight week or Tuesday of fight week. It's a little bit early in the, in the, in the week, and there might be things that, you know, we come across that might change our opinion. So I would always recommend, you know, even comment below on the video. If you're watching this on YouTube, just comment below and I would be happy to update you guys in terms of how I feel on uh, Durandamy or any other of these matchups that I'm going to be looking in, into a little bit further in the next couple of days. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for UFC Sacramento. Uh, decent card. I don't know if I'll be able to watch it live either. I, I do definitely have some plans with family this weekend. So it might be a little bit later of a catch up for me. So I'll definitely, uh, you know, watch it as soon as I can. Uh, what else do we got? Tape index for UFC Sacramento is coming out tonight as well. I apologize. My Montreal trip really fucked me over in terms of my scheduling. Uh, but I'm definitely getting it out so you guys can at least take advantage of it for the next two days. But then I do intend on having UFC San Antonio's tape next out by Friday. So you guys have more than a full week to take advantage of that as well. What else is going on? Combative Stores, I believe, is being taped next week. I believe there might also be a scheduling issue with my man Big Rob, so I'm going to have to hammer that out. But I will be back on Monday for UFC uh, San Antonio. Uh, break that down for you guys. Uh, definitely better than I did for this card, too. Uh, you know, I, I, kind of shitty to to do that to you guys with some of these fights where I need to look into a little bit more. Uh, but I'm slowly getting back on track to make sure I am fully prepared for all of these podcasts once I uh, start taping them. Last thing, Lock Fight League is coming back. Uh, I have a different twist on it. I don't want to spill the beans too much yet. I got my man uh, LV uh, working on some graphics for you guys to, to, to put out there to try to start teasing it to you guys. But I know a lot of people really enjoyed when I did Lock Fight League. Um, not a lot of people really got on the train when I wanted to make it more of a player versus player rather than a CPU simulation. But I think I'm going to go back to a CPU simulation but with a little bit of a twist. So uh, keep your ears tuned for that. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, uh, don't know when I would start it up again, but I'm definitely going to be marketing it a little bit in the next little bit. Uh, but I'm super excited to bring that back for you guys and think I can make it uh, even funner or a bit of a funner experience. All right, like I said, I'll be back next week for UFC San Antonio. We got the lockcast for that. Uh, going to break down the entire card. I believe it's headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos and Leon Edwards. Big fight for Leon Edwards. Finally, a step up in competition. Uh, you know, say what you want about Cowboy, but that win feels like it's fucking forever ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, big test for Dos Anjos. Uh, he's kind of like the top five uh, welterweight gatekeeper there. Uh, in my opinion, he won't probably ever get a title shot again or... Uh, win the title again but he'll definitely be up there uh with some of these guys so that's pretty much it uh follow me at mmalotn on twitter to continue to hear my thoughts throughout fight week and if they change uh check out mmalotn.ca for my latest picks everything is free for the next three events and i possibly will be playing my bellator 224 slash pfl uh, parlay in the next day or two so keep an eye out for that pfl i believe goes down on thursday Bellator on Friday, and then UFC on Saturday. So be sure you guys are up to date. Let's fucking make some money. Let's bounce back from this horrible UFC 239 event that just went down this past weekend. And let's start fucking getting back in the green, guys. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the subscribing. Appreciate the likes. Appreciate the thumbs up. Appreciate the thumbs down. Appreciate the comments. Y'all are the fucking best. Y'all are the reason why I keep doing this. Um, and obviously because I enjoy it. <laughs> let's not fucking forget about that but uh you know the the, the appreciation and love that you guys continue to show me uh, makes it even more worth it so uh that's pretty much it for me i'm out i gotta get home finish off the tape index for you guys uh and then get on even some more studying for sacramento so i can finally make some motherfucking bets see you guys next week i'm out